Hello everyone, thank you for joining us. My name is Sean Severson, President and Co-Founder of Water Tower Research and Head of Sustainable Investing at uh, WTR. Uh, thank you for joining us for the WTR Sustainable Investing Podcast. And uh, today we have a special guest with CEO Steve Cotton of Aquametals, ticker AQMS. Aquametals sits in a very interesting part of the sustainable investing landscape, uh, looking at recycling of batteries, lots of derivatives and conversations around that, uh, ranging from the automakers to the energy storage battery makers themselves. So very excited to have you today and wel welcome, Steve. Thanks, and thanks for having me, Sean. Great. So let's let's jump into it. Really interesting story. Uh, been sitting right in the middle of a lot of things happening in the uh, energy storage supply chain. So a great spot. Uh, you you know you 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 look at yourself as a quote a clean recycling innovator. Can you talk a little bit about what that means, uh, both from a technology and a market opportunity as you see it? Sure. So it's really about decarbonization and a path to net zero. So what we have accomplished tech, from our technology perspective that we call aqua refining is an ability to recycle lithium ion batteries in a way that does not create a lot of CO2 uh, as compared to other methods and also doesn't create a lot of solid waste streams like sodium sulfate, which we can talk more about. So we've really figured out how to close the loop within the recycling process so it's not chemical intensive, it's not fossil fuel intensive, it's driven instead by renewable clean electricity as the primary reagent. And that also gives us favorable economics. Now, how does this fit into the bigger picture when you look at, um, you know, looking at uh, uh, low carbon materials, right, in the bigger picture and really what's going on in the um, in the store energy storage industry? I talked with several battery companies and they're looking at, uh, you know where the where the minerals and metals are coming from, what they're using, how everything's working. So, what does this do to address specifically their desire and also the automaker automakers' desire and consumers, quite frankly, for the carbon footprint sure. of the EV in the end? Yeah. So, um, e whether it's EVs or energy storage systems for data centers, et cetera, or consumer electronics um, like phones and tablets and things like that. It's all about a path to net zero and net zero really means no carbon emissions, you know, decarbonization of the supply chain. And so it's really important that as the supply chain for the battery minerals starts to come from a recycling source, uh, that those materials can be decarbonized. Um, there's opportunities in mining to decarbonize as well, but we're focused on recycling because ultimately over the next couple of decades, we will see the percentage of materials that are in new batteries that are recycled be well over 50% uh, in the lithium space. It already is over 90% in the lead battery space. And so when you look at your supply chain as a major uh, EV and auto manufacturer and battery manufacturer, et cetera, um, and as well as um, now to be required to disclose the CO2 of your supply chain, and the carbonization of that, um, it's going to be really critical to source minerals from places that have that decarbonized uh, aspect. So that's one really important part of our uh, technology and process and capability. And then also uh, the economics of our, uh, our process are so good that that is going to be attractive to uh, those types of players. And for investors not familiar with the, with the sector and the supply chain, what happens today? How, what is the process today? that you're, uh, you're able to augment or, or in some cases displace? 
Sure. So uh, most of the way that lithium ion batteries are produced today is solely sourced from mining. Um, so uh, the recycling loop is just now beginning to start to enter into the equation. I'd say there's still less than 1% of a new lithium ion battery has, um, you know, less than 1% of the composition of that is from recycled sources, but that is changing very quickly. And there's, you know, three basic processes that we see out there, uh, inclusive of ours. One is smelting. So we have seen smelters with very high temperature processes recover some of the nickel and the cobalt. They volatilize and burn the lithium and don't recover any of that. So there's economic implications as well as the CO2 implications. And then the second method is hydrometallurgical, which borrows a lot of the technology from the mining world where uh, intensive quantities of chemicals are brought in and leached through the ground up batteries. And then uh, sodium sulfate is produced as a solid waste stream and as a costly thing to manage all those chemicals in that waste stream, as well as CO2. And uh, that process then delivers uh, some critical minerals back into the supply chain. Um, Aqua refining eliminates uh, the need to have all those intensive chemicals or all those fossil fuels and is driven by electricity. Um, as a way to recover those critical minerals. But today there is recycling. Um, most of it is really happening in, in quantities in China. Um, and uh, it's hydrometallurgical in Europe. There's a fair bit of smelting um, that will probably not be continuing for too much longer just due to environmental regulations and things along those lines. So there's where we see the opportunity as aqua metals is to present uh, a much superior technology um, that not only we can build, own, and operate, which is what we're doing, right here in Tahoe, Reno Industrial Center, um, uh, just about 30 minutes east of Reno, Nevada, but also in the form of partnering and licensing and getting our technology into the hands of parties that would also like to pursue a decarbonized future. And I want to expand on that a little bit because I want to talk about commercialization and some of the milestones you've reached. Um, this isn't still, this isn't a science project at this point. And no. you guys had had several successes. So maybe let, let's talk a little bit about what has been done on the pathway to commercialization so far. Yeah, so we've uh, uh, gotten pretty far down that pathway. Um, the the best way to develop new technologies in a, a you know production plant environment, such as we're operating in, is to do lab test, bench test and then take that to a pilot and then take it to commercial. We're already through the pilot phase and we've been piloting our technology for over, over a year now uh, and refining it and optimizing it for the first commercial plant. Um, that pilot has taken place in our innovation center, uh, which is also in Tahoe Reno Industrial Center. And about a mile and a half away from that is where we're building what we call the Sierra Arc. And the Sierra Arc is a five acre uh, land parcel with one existing building on it that we're currently completing the upfit of that building and the provisioning of the equipment and turning on by Q2, the introduction of the first uh, feedstock into that facility. And that will um, ultimately scale to that in that first building, 3000 tons of input. And what that means in terms of internalizing what kind of volume that would be, that would produce about 30,000 average EV battery packs uh, worth of battery, critical battery minerals, uh, really for the first time in the U.S. as we scale up in the latter half of this year and, um, and into next year. The, then the plan is to go to the full scale commercial facility of that five acre parcel by building two more buildings in 25 and then bringing online in 26 to get to 10,000 tons 
um, and go really from 30,000 to 100,000 battery packs. In that scenario, we should be well into the 100 to $200 million uh, revenue numbers uh, for that one plant by 26. How does that fit into the licensing model, the growth, the expansion, just trying to understand capital and the balance sheet? And I do want to talk a little bit about some of the financial milestones you've hit, but sure. how, does that, how, how does that feed into the strategy here? Yeah, so so right now um, it's uh, more capital intensive because we're in the process of building and then um, owning and operating a facility. Uh, but we also have a licensing partner that we've uh, announced that is in Korea uh, named Yulho Materials. And Yulho Materials has great relationships with battery manufacturers in the country of Korea. And there's several large ones that are there, as well as auto manufacturers. And we see and they see the opportunity to take our technology and deploy it next to their black mass production facility, which takes the batteries in and creates the input feedstock for our process. So that's part of our business model is to get the technology into the hands of uh, operators and uh, potential new operators that would like to use aqua refining to decarbonize and have better economics. So they will be building uh, a similar type of facility that we're building in our Sierra Arc and taking that online about a year uh, behind schedule of uh, the Sierra Arc, uh, or maybe a little bit less, and then taking that facility up to its full capacity and capability. We also have another partnership with a company called 6K Energy, and that is one of our offtake partners that um, is building a cathode active material production facility in Jackson, Tennessee. And what we're working out with 6K Energy is what it would look like to not only supply them from our Tahoe Reno Industrial Center based Sierra Arc, but also deploy aqua refining arc uh, capacity and production capacity nearby in Jackson, Tennessee to support their cathode active material production, which takes the materials that we produce, which are the critical battery minerals, and make those into the input materials that go back into the batteries. Uh as far as for analysts and investors, are there any regulatory issues that we should be tracking and need to be aware of, be it, you know, either subsidizing or, or outright environmental regulations that are going to impact your business over the next couple of years? Sure. So carrots and sticks, right? So uh, the carrots are pretty significant, uh, it, particularly in the U.S., but also um, in more and more countries in the EU, uh, as well as in the Asia-Pac region, where governments are passing legislation to support companies that are innovating in this space uh, and to transition to electrification and decarbonized, um, you know, battery energy storage and electrified world. So in the U.S. as an example, we've seen the um, IRA and the BIL, um, also known as the the Inflation Reduction Act and the Bipartisan Infrastructure Law. And that has a grant program that um, companies have been uh, having the opportunity to achieve, you know, 25 to 50 to 100 or even $200 million grants, which is really the first time in uh, generations that we've seen those types of grant opportunities available. Um, there's also tax abatements um, uh, that are in local and regional areas as carrots to encourage companies that are doing clean technology. We just announced recently a tax abatement um, uh, for our first facility that will result in over 10 years about $390 million plus of economic impact to the area um, for a tax abatement of a number much less than that. So it's a great win for the taxpayers, great win for a company like Aqua Metals. Um, on the stick side, um, you're seeing environmental regulations tighten 
And uh, CO2 uh, disclosure, as I mentioned earlier, is going to be required as we start to have companies report their CO2 impact of their operations and processes. There's going to be more attention focused on that. And it's going to be more and more difficult to operate facilities that generate a lot of CO2. And I'm talking about a lot of CO2. These alternative processes I mentioned earlier um, can create, you know, four to eight times the amount of the weight of the materials that are to be processed in the form of gas, which is a greenhouse gas. It doesn't seem very sustainable. So governments are waking up to that and saying, hey, we got to make sure that we encourage decarbonization through policy and disclosure. And um, ultimately, the court of public opinion will will be a big part of that, too. Oh, thanks. That's very helpful, Stephen. You know, as, a, as an analyst, always interested in milestones and what's coming next, right? So as as we sit and we look at uh, look at aqua metals and looking throughout 2024 calendar 2024, what are the things that are at the top of your mind that you think are most important for investors to follow and that we can use to track the progress, um, you know, over the next 12 to 24 months? Yeah, so 2024 is a really big year for us. It's already started uh, uh, very intensely as we upfit and uh, get ready to turn on our Sierra Arc facility. So watch for the continued progress on that. Uh, you can go to our website at any time and click on media and get to our blog and see pictures as we as we get the facility up and running and introduce the first feedstock in Q2, which is just right around the corner. And then scaling of that facility and the first truckloads of critical battery minerals really produced in the U.S. from recycled source um, that is sustainably recycled and decarbonized, rolling off and headed to uh, battery uh, downstream uh, battery ecos you know, ecosystem partners like 6K Energy is going to be a huge milestone. I think people are going to realize that, wow, the United States is standing up this infrastructure, not only in terms of gigafactories that are building all these battery manufacturing plants, but in terms of recycling infrastructure that is truly beginning to close that loop and bring those critical minerals right out of the U.S. Um, sustainably and economically favorably. So I think there's going to be a lot of uh, a realization of that in the coming months, um, as well as uh, just the uh, commercial relationships that, that we anticipate that we'll be able to provide more information about that we're developing as we get into production. And that's going to be really exciting to to share more information about what those commercial relationships were establishing looked like. And and that to me, you know, I interpret that as inflection points and commercialization, right? As you get through, For sure. this, is, this is where it's going, going from, you know, not necessarily the lab, but the pilot to scale to new commercial relationships. And, and I think it's interesting, you know, a lot of the battery companies we follow, you know, as you hear them talk about 2025, 2026, in terms of their, you know, getting their commercial production scale, they're all talking about supply chains, right? And and right. they're going to be doing this. So I assume when you look at your commercialization schedule, you've got to be in front of that, right? To really be able to to address that, take off take agreements, things like that. Is that fair? For sure. And uh, what really helps to make that all come together um, is the de-risking of the technology we've already done with the pilot operations also has served us well with these development development of these partnerships by getting the nickel and the cobalt and the lithium in the hands of those parties so they can do their analysis and testing. So we're not really selling that material. We're seeding the marketplace um, to prove that, hey, by the time we're starting to make truckloads of this, let's establish those offtake agreements so you can be a part of that offtake later this year. So the pilot really de-risks the technology, but it also de-risks 
the uh, commercial development and the partnership opportunities for us as we develop. And that is a little bit in contrast to some of the other players we see in the market that are going from, let's say, a bench scale or even lab scale technology to moonshots of very large facilities. And we are taking a much more methodical approach as good stewards of the balance sheet and less capital intensive to develop the technology, de-risk the technology, and then get those materials into the hands of the off-takers. So then we can announce off-take partnerships as we produce our first off-take. I know we've, we've talked about this several times in the past, but this idea that my battery is greener than your battery, making my EV greener than your EV, right, becomes this... Uh, this consumer choice, right? And, and I'll keep waiting for the automakers and some of the battery makers leading in that to really start to leverage this and say, you know, hey, let's take this into account. We're we're greener than you are. We have a lower carbon footprint than you do, you know, talking about competition in the in the automotive space, especially. Uh, agreed. And uh, the automakers in particular are definitely seeking uh, long-term supply for those critical minerals as layer one. Layer two is uh, supply of those critical minerals from U.S.-made sources. There's not many mines in the U.S., but hey, we're an urban mine and we can provide those materials. And that's layer three, which is the sustainably sourced, recycled uh, materials um, that could be actually recycled in a decarbonized fashion. So once they uh, establish those sources, inclusive of us and probably even others in the marketplace, there is a huge opportunity to tout that as a benefit um, uh, of of marketing and really showing the world that you can decarbonize transportation as well as energy storage through these types of arrangements. So what do you think it is, uh, if you have a chance to talk to investors in this forum, what what would you say, you know, you think they're missing? I mean, when you look at you look at the Aquametal stories, it's such a great place. You're checking a lot of the boxes, uh, you know, from the carbon footprint side, the the overall landscape for supply chain and energy storage is is key. We hear it all the time. What's the uh, what what's going on that uh, you want to say, I think, to investors to, to address that? Sure. So so um, we talk a lot um, as a team about the Gartner hype curve and uh, the Gartner hype curve talks about um, at the beginning, there is a lot of excitement. And let's say AI, for example, is in that excitement overhype um, uh, stage right now. And then um, it goes down to what's called the trough of disillusionment, where people wonder, oh, boy, is this really a market? Is it really going to happen and every technology, you know, this Gartner curve has been around for a lot longer than any of these technologies I'm talking about, including lithium batteries, goes through that trough of disillusionment. We see that today with articles and discussions about, oh, EV adoption is a little bit slower than we anticipated. And some people will even say that um, it's a fad. And the facts are very different than that. For example, in 2023, for the first time, uh, there were over 1 million EVs sold in the U.S., I think up about 40% from the prior year. And the growth curve is there. Then comes the path of enlightenment, which is coming very quickly in the uh, transition uh, to, from fossil fuels to electrified world. And that's where real companies establish real facilities and produce contracts and make materials that uh, others are uh, buying. And it really turns into an overall market. And every technology from cell phones to uh, laptops and uh, all, all sorts of examples of that have gone through that. Right now is a good time to invest in companies that are in the space that we're in that are about to get into that path of enlightenment where people see real contracts and real 
products being produced. And it's it's really valuation kind of follows that curve too. Goes high, comes down low, and then goes up at, at um, maybe less of a hype level than before, but a nice steady uh, rise up and to the right. And so that's what we're planning on here at Aquabettles is, is that kind of a future. Yeah, I think you know, covering technology and sustainability for a couple of decades at this point, seen many of those, many of those cycles that, uh, you know, have, that come around. And, and, you know, since sustainability has been tough because it's been one of those that are just around the corner, you know, a couple of times, right? And companies being three, four years ahead of the curve, sometimes even more, you know, being ahead of the curve and investors waiting. But, um, you know, obviously following on the hype for the last couple of years, like you said, I think we're at that point now where, where real companies are hitting real commercialization goals, things are starting to happen. And, you know, you, you can be green, but you got to have a good business in, in green. You got to make some green from the green, right? And I think good business models, right? Good technologies. Exactly. There's, As I like to say, there's no green without a green back. And that's why we designed our technology to have the economic benefits because we don't have to buy one-time use chemicals and store them and transport and spend tens of millions of dollars on crystallizers to crystallize our waste streams and sodium sulfate because we don't make any of that. Instead, we pipe in that electricity and we improve those economics greatly. Uh, so that's a really important aspect of it is to have the economics um, associated with the environmental benefits. Great. Well, thanks. Thanks again, Steve. Thanks to everyone in the WTR Investor Network. Again, Aqua Metals, ticker AQMS. Encourage you to take a look at our website at www.watertowerresearch, as well as the company for any additional information. Uh, thanks, Steve. And I'll turn it over to you for any closing comments, and we'll wrap up uh, today's uh, today's podcast uh, for the w, again the WTR Sustainable Investing Podcast. And uh, I'll leave it with you, Steve. Yeah, well, great. Well, thanks for having me, Sean. And uh, if anybody's interested in more information and wants to learn more about the recycling ecosystem, et cetera, I encourage you to go to the Aquametals website and click on the media tab. And you'll see there uh, our blog, which is called The Current, and we keep it current. And there's lots of information about our build, but there's also a lot of educational material that is in that media tab uh, that you can see in some of the other sub tabs. You can learn all about how black mass is produced, how the ecosystem works. You can see data about how there is one gigafactory in 2020, the Tesla Gigafactory in Tahoe Reno Industrial Center. And now there's going to be so many gigafactories that it'll be 200x of that by the end of this decade. And so that shows that evidence of this pro progress that's being made as an industry. And there's all sorts of exciting information and educational material there that we put out to make sure that people that are interested in the space can get educated and also learn what Aquabells is up to. Great. Thanks. We look forward to having you back for an update, uh, Steve. Thanks again. Appreciate it. Thanks, Sean.